You are now listening to Creative Masters. This is the podcast where we interview musicians, photographers, directors, comedians, designers, and other creatives to discuss how they got started, how they got past those bumps in the road, and how they built a career off their creativity. So let's get right into it. I'm your host, and I'm Team Double Machine Masters to bring you Creative Masters. Now let's start the show. What's going on, everybody? This is Reggie, aka Nobody Famous. You're listening to the Creative Masters podcast. This week, we got a very dope guest, Catherine Clark. She's a photographer based out of North Carolina. Um, I originally met Catherine back in LA about eight or nine years ago, and she was working an office job. And she started getting into photography, hitting people up, all her friends, like, yo, I want to take pictures. Um, and she actually shot the cover of my last album that I did back in 2009 at Roscoe's that's really dope when we get to that into the episode but in this episode we talk about how she got started how she went from an office job in the cubicle to becoming a photographer so I ended up in a nine-to-five and had a nervous breakdown one day and my mom sat me down over the phone and said what is it that you do in your free time that you can make money doing and just like that I decided to become a photographer we also talk about how she started not knowing what she was doing to now traveling around the country shooting for clients. Uh, so to be honest with you, I had, and I can say this now looking back on it, I had no idea what I was doing. She also told a really dope story about the first wedding that she shot, the failures in it, and what she learned from it. And I got a call from the groom maybe a week or two later trying to calmly explain to me how unhappy they were. And I could hear the bride just wailing in the background because mm -hmm. in her mind, she thought she'd bought $5,000 pictures, but they only paid 500. And then we talk about how you find balance in your life in the busy world of being a creative entrepreneur. It used to be that I was working around the clock, 60, 70, 80 hours a week, and I didn't care because I love my job, but mm -hmm. all the others, you know, like, when do you do laundry? I'd go to Target and buy underwear because I didn't have time to do laundry. This is a very dope episode. I know you guys are going to get a lot from it. We're changing the perspective a little bit from music to photography, but this is Creative Masters, and we're touching on all creative disciplines, so I know no matter what you do, you're going to be able to take bits and pieces of this, apply it to your own career. We're not going to waste any more time. Here's episode three of the Creative Masters podcast featuring photographer Kathleen Clark. What's going on, everybody? This is Reggie, a.k.a. Nobody Famous. You're listening to the Creative Masters podcast. I'm here with my friend, Catherine Clark. She's a very talented photographer. Um, I met her probably, shoot, about eight, nine years ago now when I was living out in L.A. And um, around that time, she started getting into photography. And now she's doing amazing things with it, traveling all over the country. Um, you know, just different publications, different architecture, photography, interior design, all that kind of good stuff. So I'm going to let her uh, kind of tell you more about what she does. But what's going on, Catherine? How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for coming on. Of course. So, so yeah, um, tell everybody, you know, what you do and, and we'll go from there. Yeah, sure. So I am a full-time freelance commercial photographer. And what that means is I work for clients who need commercial photography. That, like you said, with interior architecture and things like that, it can also include business portraits, headshots, uh, advertising photos. I work for a couple of different magazines, one local to Wilmington, North Carolina, which is where I live, and then another one is regional to the whole rest of the state of North Carolina. Mm -hmm. But it's just sort of all over the map. I do a lot of performance photography. I'm really tight with the comedy scene here in town. Uh, we actually have a festival coming up, four-day festival. People from all over the country will be here for the week, and I'll be shooting that, you know, running around like a crazy person, mm -hmm. trying to get performances and stuff. So it's taken me a long time to figure out exactly what it is to tell people that I do, because I used to say, I want to do everything. But the longer I've done it and the more people I've been around and the more experience I've gotten, I've really narrowed it down to what excites me as a photographer, which makes me a very, very happy person. Awesome. Yeah, it's always good to, to nail it down and then, um, you know, go after it and, and get it done. So that's really exciting. Um, yeah. So, you know, the whole kind of purpose of this podcast is just to talk to people how they, you know, got started, not only just got started in their creative field, but how they turned it into like a full time position or the freelance and how they're making a living off of it, more of like the behind the scenes. So yeah. um, as I, if I remember correctly, like when, back in the L.A. days, like you had a, a nine to five, is that correct? I did. I worked at an advertising agency, but it was the not glamorous side of advertising. I sat at a desk in a cubicle, nine to five, Monday through Friday, and mm -hmm. it was 
miserable. <laughs> I wanted to slit my wrist every day and it was awful. And uh, I just to give you a little quick background, I have pretty much always taken photos, um, which is probably the same intro that you hear from anybody who's a photographer. But I actually got into it a little bit differently. When I realized that if I was taking the pictures, I didn't have to be in them. Mm -hmm. uh, that was immediately what got my attention because I hate being in front of the camera. It was, it, it's my worst nightmare. Like I'd rather be stabbed than be in front of a camera. And uh, so family reunions, friends events, things like that. I would always be the volunteer to take all the photos. And then I just got hooked on it. I wanted to document everything. Mm -hmm. And while I was in LA, while I was working for this advertising agency, which I fell into because my background is in screenwriting and I, I had changed my mind from that. So I ended up in a nine to five and had a nervous breakdown one day. And my mom sat me down over the phone and said, what is it that you do in your free time that you can make money doing? And just like that, I decided to become a photographer because it was already something I was doing as a hobby and people make a living every day at it. So mm -hmm. why not? And I went out, opened up a credit card at Best Buy, bought myself a camera and two kit lenses and never looked back. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's what uh, a lot of creatives, especially when they're not really um, tapping into their creative potential and like their day job and their everyday lives, like they just get to a point where like, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to take out a loan, get a credit card or whatever, get some equipment and just, you know, dive in head first. So, um, yeah, that's very interesting. So when you, you said you bought um, your first camera in the kit lens, what, what camera did you first get when you started? My first camera was a Nikon D60, and I know there's a war over which is better, Nikon or Canon, but I chose Nikon because I took a poll of everybody that I knew that had cameras, and Nikon had more votes, so that's mm -hmm. honestly how I picked it, and you know, once you start racking up lenses and stuff, mm -hmm. it's a big investment to try and cross over to the other side, so I've stuck with it, and I'm going to be with it till the end. There you go. Yeah, I, I definitely yeah. know because when I got into it a year ago, I started off with Nikon, just reading a bunch of stuff and, um, you know, got some lenses and stuff. And then I most recently just actually got to Sony. So, oh, yeah, they're good. And they're cheaper, aren't they? Uh, Not the not the lenses. Not. Yeah, <laughs> Those lenses. they used to be because nobody was buying them. I guess mm -hmm. now that people are jumping on board they're they're getting up there. Yeah, some of the lenses cost more than the body of the camera, like oh, for, God. for Sony. And it's, it's yeah, crazy. it's not a it's not a hobby. It is not a hobby for sure. It is too damn expensive. Exactly. So um, yeah, I definitely hear how that goes. So um, so moving on, like when you, I remember back in L.A. Um, when you first kind of got started, you were just take pictures. Like I remember you took some pictures of, of R.J. my daughter, and you took um, my photo for the uh, the cover of that album, that last album. Yeah, Roscoe's. Yeah, at Roscoe's down there off Pico. So, um, yep. What was kind of like your mindset of just like reaching out to different people? Was that to like, just like build your portfolio, get that experience, and then you know turn it into a full time career? Uh, so to be honest with you, I had, and I can say this now looking back on it, I had no idea what I was doing mm -hmm. in my mind. I was going to be the next big thing. I wanted to be this like avant-garde photographer that was going to get on the cover of Vogue and have all these fancy art shows in New York. And I didn't know what I was thinking, but I pretty much just said to every single person I knew, you're going to be my model. Mm -hmm. And it kind of worked out for me. It was weird in the beginning because I didn't know what I was doing. My friends were not models. So we were all awkward. But I had all these ideas. And I'm a very visual person. And I like to think that I get by with words. But I'm much better at organizing a situation in a picture versus putting it in a verbal way. Mm -hmm. um, so I had to get all these ideas out of my head somehow. And I just made everybody get in front of the camera. And one thing led to another. And I started getting little itty bitty jobs here and there, which got me some money. Awesome. Yeah, because that's, that's what I was going to ask you next. So how did um, what was that transition like of just, you know, going from shooting friends and family and, you know, just documenting your life basically to transitioning into you know, actually getting paid for jobs. Like what was kind of like the first, you know, job or two that you got if someone was like, hey, I'll pay you to do this for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the biggest thing that I got, this was when I was still back in LA, was my first wedding, mm -hmm. which was never something that I really wanted to pursue, but I'd always heard that there was good money in weddings. Mm -hmm. And I shot a wedding for my friend's brother. They were on a really tight budget. I was brand new, so it was sort of a win-win for everybody. And I made a whopping 500 bucks, which is nothing. There are people who charge $500 an hour to show up to a wedding. Oh yeah, definitely. And I got a call after I, I mean, it was, it was 
a miserable experience. It was chaotic. I didn't know what I was doing. Nobody knew what was going on. And I sent the photos off and I got a call from the groom maybe a week or two later trying to calmly explain to me how unhappy they were. And I could hear the bride just wailing in the background because Mm -hmm. in her mind, she thought she'd bought $5,000 pictures, but Mm -hmm. they only paid 500. Mm -hmm. And I was devastated. I thought that I had done a pretty good job given the situation. And so I got off that phone call, had another little nervous breakdown, but decided in that moment that I wanted to go back to school because if I was going to do this, I needed to know technically what I was doing. I knew I had the creative side of it, but I needed the science of photography. And that was actually when I started looking at schools all over the country. And I put in my notice at work and I moved back across the country to North Carolina. And I went back to school and got a degree in photography. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So that kind of opens up the door for a few things that I was uh, going to bring up and touch on. So um, Sure. I guess let's first talk about that move back to North Carolina and going to get your degree in photography. So what, what year was this? This was 2010. 2010. Okay. Cause like even I look at now and a lot of the stuff I learned, right. You can go on and you can learn how to shoot a wedding. Cause like wedding photography school that pot or the, um, the YouTube channel. And there's like all these great photographers who basically break down the entire process. So I'm assuming there wasn't that much stuff like that at all. As far as like how to handle event back in 2010, were, were you looking for stuff like that at that time? Uh, what I was looking for was how to use a camera because okay. despite the fact that I shoot digital photography and I edit on a computer and I use my iPhone for my calendar and scheduling and emails and all that, mm-hmm. I am the worst when it comes to technology. I just My brain is 85 years old. I don't really understand how it works. Mm-hmm. And I don't do well trying to learn things by reading articles or watching videos. I needed the actual hands-on, tangible education. Makes sense. And one of the things that I loved about my program, which, by the way, was at a community college. Mm-hmm. So it was really fantastic because it was two years in and out. It was really cheap. And after having paid for a private university for grad school, I was looking for something a little easier on my wallet. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was in the dark room the whole first year. They made you stop and read for forever and learn about everything and get in the dark room and process your film, print your film, go use the enlargers. You weren't Mm -hmm. allowed to touch a digital camera or computer the entire first year. And just because I'm a nerd about this kind of stuff, when I was little, I, I didn't go to summer camp that was like canoeing and fishing. I went to art camp. And so I would go away for weeks at a time and take video classes and photography classes and painting and all that stuff. And when I was doing that, even though I was probably 10, we were in the dark room because there was no digital photography back then. So it was a nice refresher and then an even more detailed education in it. But my degree is in science. So it really was Mm -hmm. the science of photography and learning how to get in there and manipulate so that you're not having to go into Photoshop for 17 hours and fix it, you learn mm-hmm. how to take it right on the front end, which I am forever grateful for. Yeah, that's really dope. Because I think a lot of people, you know, need to understand first and foremost, I guess, how they learn, like how they learn best. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, also really digging down and getting to like the basics of it. So no matter, I mean, like these days, even with like music or video or whatever the case, like you can hop in and you can, you know, you can make a song you can take a picture, you can shoot a video, but I think it's good to take a step back, humble yourself and, and really learn the basics. And I think that's really cool that you went and got a degree in it and learned all the science of it because it definitely shows in your work, you know, and everything, you. everything that you do. You know? Yeah. And you know, I also, I, I know there are so many photographers now that are the people who were like me when I was in LA and they've just gone out, bought a camera and started rolling with it. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's something to be said for, being forced to stop and sit and look at what you're doing before you start jumping into it. I mean, we, this is going to make me sound like an old lady, but like we live in an age where everybody's always racing to get to the next step. And so you're not always thinking and paying attention to what you're doing. And it's, Oh, I'll just fix it on the back end. Mm -hmm. And for me personally, the experience of taking the pictures is the highlight of my work. It's not sitting at a computer and editing. If I never had to edit another picture, I, it'd be too soon, but getting in there and going to a shoot and working with people is my favorite part about all of it. So I would much rather 
sit and take the time to work out a shot while I'm there Mm -hmm. instead of just saying, ah, screw it. I'll deal with it later because I can't get what I want. And that's, that's one of the beauties of getting that formal training is that I've learned how to manipulate light, to manipulate the, the camera, to, to get what I want out of it and Mm -hmm. keep the control in my hands as opposed to just figuring it out on the back end. Yeah. It kind of reminds me too of, um, shoot. I guess like late 80s, early 90s. I was like a young and probably like eight or nine years old. And my dad was always around computers and had me around computers. And it's just like the the old um, coding term, like garbage in, garbage out, right? So if you're coding and you put in garbage, like whatever program you're writing is going to come out garbage. And it's the same thing with like photos, right? So if you take a garbage photo, it's going to be very difficult to try to fix it. So it's best to learn how to get it right in the camera, how to get the sound right when you record a song, how to, you know, get the shot right and the lighting right when you're shooting a video and things like that. So I think that's very important for like, especially like young, young and aspiring um, creatives to understand that, you know, I mean, you want to really take the time to get it right the first time because, you know, there's always people always say you can fix it in post, but it's just, you know, you can tell. Oh, I hate that. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it always, people just always say that, but it's like, no, let's just get it right the first time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, and, and, and again, to go back to my point of like, I, it, and I, I can't speak for everybody, but I feel like the fun part of taking pictures is actually taking pictures. Mm-hmm. If you want to fix it in post, I kind of feel like that sort of makes you like a graphic designer in a sense. Mm-hmm. Or is a um, photo, photo editor, retoucher yeah. or, or something. Yeah, and that's, you know? that doesn't make you a photographer, but it's just like, it's sort of like a puzzle to me. It's like math trying to figure out how do you get what you want to manipulate the situation in person and it, it's sort of like your own life-size jigsaw puzzle to move this here, put that there, whatever it might be. And that's, that's I, I don't know, I, I just think that's that's such a better experience. And if it's important to you, again, my personal opinion, I feel like you would want to learn the most that you can out of it as opposed to just looking cool on Instagram or getting mm-hmm. a bunch of Facebook likes. I mean, that's all well and good since everybody lives on the internet these days, but mm-hmm. the quality of it is way more important to me than being popular of course that would be nice but yeah we'll save that for a later day (laughs) (laughs) okay so so there you are you you moved back to north carolina across the country from la um you went to community college you got your degree in photography so you had and you had the experience with the wedding the, the bad experience and things like that um so after all of this after these couple of years like when did you start to like transition into like getting more work from your photography like how did that whole process go down Yeah, so I was still getting little gigs here and there all while I was in school, and I can say I was getting paid, but it was, you know, pennies for what I was actually doing, Mm -hmm. but once I finished school, I had two internships, which I also thought were incredibly valuable for me, and I made the choice to shadow two wedding photographers, because I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do, Mm -hmm. so there wasn't the chance that, oh, I want to stay in the city where I'm interning, but they're now they're my competition. But I got a ton of shooting experience. I mean, Mm -hmm. they took me out to every engagement, every wedding, and I just shot the crap out of it. And I got to sit with them and sort of learn the business side of it. That's the one downside to art school or even just the science of photography program I went to is they don't teach you business. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a business degree. So it, you know, nobody tells you how to do spreadsheets for your taxes. Um, So it was really nice to work with these two photographers and learn a little bit more about how business actually works. And I think that it made me a much better shooter because when you go to a wedding, you have to be quick on your feet. You don't have time to reshoot everything. That first Mm -hmm. kiss only happens once. That walk down the aisle only happens once. So you have to be good. You have to be on point with your timing. And I really appreciate the opportunity I had with those two people but once I moved out, I hit the ground running. I went and found everybody I could get my hands on to say, hey, can I shoot free headshots for you? And mm-hmm. if you like it, tell everybody you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the comedy scene here is actually one of the first groups I got in with. I went down to one of their improv nights and offered free headshots. And only a few of the guys took me up on it. But one of them totally blasted me on Facebook And at this point now, I've shot pretty much all their headshots. Mm -hmm. A lot of them, I've done them every year. We've got a big comedy festival coming into town next week, like I said, and I shoot the festival for them. I'll do some of the headshots for the people that are coming into town. Um, And I've been able to do, I'm in the process of working on a personal project with other comedians, both in LA and New York and other cities around the country. Um, That's just my own sort of documentary project. But um, yeah, it's just... 
it's that and then everything else that sort of happened from that has really just been I threw out a few free jobs here and there and I was very careful about who I offered them to mm-hmm. and then everything else was word of mouth. Yeah, but that kind of kind of rolled in. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I figured just based off what you were saying and, and kind of how I see, you know, over the last few years, especially of, of how everything's been growing for you. I was going to ask, you know, do you find that most of your work comes from like online social media, like word of mouth? And it looks like it's more of like word of mouth and building those relationships. If, if that's correct. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. I would say 99 percent of my business comes from uh, word of mouth and referrals. And I think that. Not only is that fantastic because it means that people like what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. but it also gives the clients who are referred to me, well, it gives me brownie points coming in because if someone gives me a glowing recommendation, that person then comes in and they already trust me because their friend told them to Mm -hmm. without saying it, if that makes sense. So they're a little bit more flexible. They're a little bit more willing to let me try something different, even if they don't see my vision. And one of the greatest things about my job is when I ask someone to trust me, even if they're on the fence, when they see those photos and they react the way that I was reacting when I thought of it, that's, it's just, it's such an exciting feeling when they see what I saw once they're viewing the photo, as opposed to when they're in front of the camera and they have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah, definitely. So like, um, along those same notes as well, um, when you're working with people, like how important is it for you to build like rapport with them before you even start to shoot? Cause it's kind of interesting. I was on a, like I go to a bunch of photography blogs like every day and read different articles and they had, this, mm-hmm. they had this one piece. It was like a little five minute clip of a paid actor and then a photographer. And basically the paid actor was like pretending that she was a photographer and she would just basically be like, okay, we're going to take the picture now. Cheese, you know, and then uh, the professional photographer was talking to the you know to the subject before he shot like asking what they do and like making little jokes and getting them to just be natural and comfortable and then getting the shot so how important is it to build rapport when you're shooting you know people um you know doing a shoot very important it is really 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 important and i think that that is in part because they need to trust you they need to be comfortable around you if they're uncomfortable it's going to show in the photos i don't care how good of a photographer you are um but it also is just like, I want to be friends with everybody. That's just me personally. But I love knowing people and talking to them. And when you talk to those people and have that conversation, there's almost always something that you have in common with them or you know someone who does something that they do or know someone from the town that they're from. There's always some kind of six degrees connection in there. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, you know, relationships just in general in life, I think, are very important and being able to talk to people and relate to people. So that carries over into the job. And when you make someone comfortable, it really shows in the photograph, I believe. Yeah, definitely. And that, that was the interesting thing about what uh, the whole piece was displaying, because you could tell the people were really comfortable and you can see that this was like a professional photographer who took this photo just based off of the rapport that he built with the subject and get him to be comfortable and things like that. So it's very interesting to see. Yeah. Um, so kind of moving on, we're like we talked about earlier, we're in the age of Instagram, the internet and all that kind of stuff, right? So um, Instagram's now huge. You got people who are very popular off for their photos and all that kind of stuff. How, um, how did you kind of develop your style and not really get influenced by like just trying to be an Instagram photographer, but actually build a business off of that. Like, how did you say, okay, I like shooting people. I like shooting, you know, these commercial projects and things like that. How did you get into that instead of say like sports or something else, you know? Sure. So I have always been fascinated with stories, whether it is a fictional story or someone's personal real life story. Um, Like I said before, my background is in screenwriting and I grew up on movies. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I love people's stories and I feel like there is always something to learn about someone. So with that in mind, I've always been drawn to shooting with people and in the process of figuring out what I wanted to do, I noticed, and I'll say that this probably is as recent as me moving here after I finished with school, is I noticed that all the clients I was picking up were artists or some creative type. And it sort of dawned on me that I was working with people who, like myself, do what they love. And that is extremely exciting to me. I am motivated and inspired by other people doing what they love to do. It's just a high energy, really great situation to be in. Mm -hmm. And... 
again, I was like, oh, I'm going to shoot everything. But one thing that I started finding is artists are broke. You know that. I know that. So how do you make a living doing that? And I sort of started veering off towards smaller businesses like a restaurant or most recently I shot with a local ice cream store. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just a mom and pop couple that owns it. But they wanted some advertising photos. And so they hired me and brought me in. But those people, while they are not, you know, I don't even know what the word is I'm looking for. They're not usually thought of as creatives, but in their own way, they are because they make ice cream. They do it from scratch. They come up with these crazy recipes and they absolutely love what they do. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I sort of use as my. I guess catch line uh, is I want to work with people who do what they love. That's that's the most exciting thing to me. And I think commercial photography sort of fell into place because it sounds more professional and it brings in more money than artists who are always broke and don't have any money and are asking for headshots for ten bucks, which isn't going to pay my light bill. Yeah. Um, but it it really is. I love working with people who do what they love, and that even goes to say like an interior designer well that interior designer may not be in the photos of a home that they designed but they put as much effort and time and love into designing that room Mm -hmm. as i have into their photos so it bleeds out into many different things even if people aren't physically in front of the camera definitely um that's really cool so when you when you really got going and everything like that, and I guess it might be a little bit different for you too. Thinking back that you um, you know you went to school around 2010 and then you were like developing your style, but like right now for me, especially like when I really got heavier into it over the last couple of years, you know, there's so much noise out here with like different apps you can edit on your phone. There's got all these Photoshop actions and things like that. So how did you um, figure out like your style, how you wanted? your shots to look and how you wanted to edit photos. I mean, I know you, you mentioned that you're the type who wants to get it right, you know, get the lighting yeah. right, manipulate the <laughs> and lighting not be on the computer. and not be on the computer, not in Photoshop and things like that. So how did you, you know? Well, I can tell you that I do not, nor have I ever used a Photoshop action. And I mm-hmm. don't say that to sound snobby. It's more of a, I don't even know how to do that. Mm-hmm. I know that Photoshop actions are created someone doing something to a photo and then they turn it into an action and sell it to everybody mm-hmm. else. I don't know how any of that works. So it's in all sincerity, it's just cause I don't know. I don't know any of that stuff, but, um, I do all of my editing in Lightroom, which is basically a digital darkroom. So anything mm-hmm. that you can do in a darkroom, you can do on Lightroom. You can brighten something up. You can adjust the contrast. You can color correct things like that. If I need to go into Photoshop, it might be to like, if I need to clear up a little bit of somebody's skin, but I'm not a fan of airbrushing people to death. I Mm -hmm. don't want to take off 50 pounds from their face, which everybody always asks me to do whenever I take headshots of them. Um, I, I even struggled. I used to shoot a fashion section for a magazine. And I, it was a big struggle for me because they wanted me to really Photoshop the models in the picture. And I took issue with it because I think that if you're promoting whatever it is that you're promoting, you should include how people really are. Mm -hmm. And of course, you want to take a good picture with a good angle and make them look like the best version of themselves. But you want to know that when you see this photo, that's the same person that you would see in real life. I don't want to make somebody into somebody else. If you don't look like what I need for the photo, I'll go find somebody different for it. Um, And when it comes to filters and stuff like on my phone, um, a lot of times I usually will just, I don't even know if this is the proper way to do it, but I'll email actual photos that I've taken with my camera Mm -hmm. to myself so that I can put it on my phone and then throw it in Instagram. So I don't use any filters or anything on Instagram. I just post the photo as is. Um, and if you, if you go way back in my Instagram, you can see there's funny filters and Mm -hmm. there's no rhyme or reason to what I was posting, but I haven't been on Instagram that long. I'm just now starting to figure out how it even works. Um, because again, I don't, I don't understand computers or technology or the internet. I just, I just want to take pictures and have recess all day. (laughs) Yeah, I hear you. I mean, it's, it's kind of the same with me with like filters and stuff. And then it's like using on the phone, like it just doesn't come out like it does in Lightroom. So like a lot of times I'll, I'll do the same. I'll email myself the photo and then that's how I post mm-hmm. it. And um, I mean, now with like Lightroom Mobile and everything like that, 
you can copy like an edit from a photo if it's from the same shoot and paste that edit and then make some tweaks and stuff. So See, that's something I got to look into. It keeps popping up and I don't even know what that is. Yeah, I mean, I get that it's on your phone, but like mm-hmm. I don't don't I don't know anything about it. <laughs> yeah, anything you sync to to Lightroom Mobile um, from your computer, like if you have a if you have a collection on your computer, if you sync it to Lightroom Mobile, if you needed to pull like those photos, you can just pull it up from your phone or whatever, make edits hmm. to it, um, post it to wherever you want to post it, email it, things like that. That's crazy. See, and I'm just waiting for the day where I'm important enough to have an assistant so I can go back to having a flip phone and my assistant can handle all the <laughs> smartphone stuff. Yeah, keep it simple, right? Just focus, yeah, focus on Yeah, one day. One <laughs> day. Okay, so um, moving on, like how, let's kind of touch back on that wedding, um, the first wedding that you did. And oh, like yes. That. So how, these days, like, currently how do you like handle criticism do you ever have like a client like you might shoot something and they're not like completely happy with it do you like how do you resolve that do you offer to reshoot it do you give them a refund like how does that whole process go or have you had any of those situations uh i have had a few i think if anybody says that they haven't they're lying Mm -hmm. um i definitely have had a few and my first go-to is what exactly is the problem and how can we fix this Mm -hmm. because obviously I don't want to lose money, but the bigger issue is I want these people to be happy. Photography is an expensive thing. And I know that it's an investment that people are, are handing you a big fat check to get something that seems, uh, so small because they're just digital files. Mm -hmm. But yeah, my go-to move is always, how can we fix this? And I had a headshot client not too long ago who was very unhappy with her photos. And it turned out that it was, her own insecurity, but I got the brunt of, of the anger that came from that. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to sympathize with her because as someone who hates being in front of the camera, I a hundred percent understand where that was coming from. So we sat down and we talked about what was actually going on with, with why she didn't like them. And I was able to shoot it a different way, maybe go for a different angle. I had her put on a different color shirt once I'd met her. Because a lot of people, I don't meet them until I get to the shoot. Mm-hmm. I might talk to them over the phone. Um, so I had her pick a specific color shirt based on her skin cone and her eye color. And we went to a different location, which I felt also fit better than where she had first wanted to go. And she was in love with the photos the second time around. Mm-hmm. So it's going to happen. You're not going to win every time. Um, but it re- and, and that, again, goes back to when you have the education and the experience. I think that gave me the opportunity to correct the situation and to know how to correct it versus just either saying, oh, screw off. I don't need you. Or here's your money back. I'm really sorry because – I don't I want I want to be known as someone who's good at their job. I don't want to just hand somebody their money back and say, oh, sorry, go find somebody else Mm -hmm. because that doesn't look good for me. And then she's not happy. Definitely. I I totally understand that. And um, I guess along those same lines, just of dealing with clients, have you ever had like a request from a client maybe who wasn't happy or just a client who was happy with, with what you've done for them ask you for like just the unedited photos? Yes. And And I will never send someone unedited photos. I know some people will. Uh, I, you will never get an unedited photo from me. And not that I do a lot of editing, but even if I'm going to brighten the picture .02 and I send you that, and then I send you picture B that is unedited there, there's a clear difference between the two images. And if you go and post them on Facebook, now my work looks inconsistent and mm-hmm. I don't want that. So that's to protect myself and my branding. Um, also because I have no idea what those people are going to do to the pictures. That's something that always frustrates me is when yeah. I see, you know, I've sent somebody their pictures and then I see them post on Instagram and they've got some crazy orange filter over everything because it looks cool, but really it doesn't look cool. And then I don't want my name on it. And, yeah, you know, yeah. I can't say that out loud, but I feel like it's it's the same reason that you know when you if you go to the salon and they're cutting your hair like I'm one of those people that they'll turn me away from the mirror so I can't see what they're doing because if I see half my hair done I might freak out Mm -hmm. and they're like hold on wait till we get to the end and then once I see the whole thing I'm good so that's why I don't send unedited pictures it would be like asking for dinner at a restaurant and they just bring you out the ingredients before it's all put together or before it's cooked you know it's, yeah exactly you don't go to anybody else's job and ask them for 
for everything before it's ready, why would you do that to a photographer? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot of people who aren't creatives don't really understand is that the person who's who's making that art, like they have a vision of how it's going to look in the end. So, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like you could be, I could be making a beat, for example, and I just have just like a little simple melody or drum and I have a million ideas in my head of where it's going to go. But someone who's listening to it be like, no, that's not what I want, you know, but you have to, yep. you have to let it cook, basically put it in the oven, let it cook. And yes, then, then we can yep. talk, you know, talk about it when it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know you kind of touched on it a little bit, just about hustling and like, you know, doing free shots and, and shoots and things like that. So kind of like for you, what is like your definition of hustling? Like you hustle a full time photography business, you make a living off of it. So like what is hustling to you as far as the, like the business goes? Uh, well, I think it's just not giving up and finding a way to do it. I was really, really broke for a long time, mm-hmm. but I was just having this conversation with somebody the other night who is going through a sort of similar I guess, awakening where they're not happy at their job and they want to get out and pursue their art. But money is a huge factor. And that is, I have heard so many times from people, you know, that full-time job is paying my bills and I have health insurance and I have this. And I am happy to say I have health insurance for the first time in five years, which is mm-hmm. really exciting. Yeah, totally. But I, know, I know that feeling. <laughs> for me, quality of life, that internal satisfaction to just be alive is more important than anything else that could exist. And I don't want to be homeless, but I would much rather have nothing tangible in front of me than be in an unhappy life. It just, mm-hmm. there is no way around it. And so with that in mind, you just find the work, you find the jobs, you find the money. Um, I've only been a full-time photographer for four or five years now before that I had little side jobs here and there Mm -hmm. but uh it it was very important to me to be able to get off of someone else's clock I did not Mm want to work for someone else and I think uh it's also just you know you just go do it whether that's creating instead of waiting for your inspiration you just go create something or instead of waiting for somebody to call you and hire you, you go find people, you get the word out. Um, I've been to a couple little networking things here and there, and it's not an overnight fix, but mm-hmm. just to get your name out. Because if your name isn't out there, people don't know you exist. And if they don't know you exist, they can't hire you. It's that simple. So you really just have to put yourself out there and put your work out there and keep going until I don't even know. I mean, I, there, I don't even know if there's an end goal. You just keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very important for, especially like for young aspiring, whatever, you know, art, art that a person wants to do is that you have to do it number one. And then you have to just keep going. Cause it's not going to be easy. It's not going to, you know, you're not going to make a million dollars just when you start or anything like that. Oh no, it's not you know even I mean? close. <laughs> you know, so you have to really just, just put the time and put the effort in and just keep hustling, keep working. And then things will come from that. You know what I mean? And I always look yeah. at it as, um, it's everything you do is a building block, right? So every song you make, every photo you, you do, every, you know, thing that you shoot video wise, every design that you do when you're graphic designing, it's just a building block. You're getting better, number one. And then number two, you know, you, you're, you're just building your portfolio, you're building your experience. And then when that opportunity comes, you're prepared for it, you're ready for it, and you can just jump in. And then that's when you can start making your money and things like that. Um, Yeah. And I think, I think also there has to be an incredibly high level of passion that goes with mm -hmm. it. I have met a ton of photographers who are out doing shoots all the time and they just want to hit it big, whether that's Facebook fame, Instagram fame, Mm -hmm. financial fame, whatever it might be. But there's no creativity. There's no excitement, no passion. They're just doing it because it's it's now a cool job to have. Mm -hmm. And I think that probably applies to anything, music, dance, whatever it is that you're going to make. If you want to make ice cream, hell, we'll throw that in the mix. Mm -hmm. There has to be some kind of passion behind it because like we both were just saying, there are going to be days that are miserable where nobody wants to hire you. Nobody's giving you good feedback. You feel like the world is crumbling down around you that passion is going to be the one thing that gets you out of bed and keeps you moving. That's literally all you will have at times. So you have to have that. And if you're, if you're hustling for something that you're not 
solely invested in, mm-hmm. it's going to kind of be half-assed because yep. your your heart's not in it. So you're just going to keep working and working. And then, you know, you're a hamster in a wheel. You're not getting anywhere. It's like, well, do you actually care about that mm-hmm. project that you're working on? And if you don't, you'll I don't think you'll ever get anywhere. Yeah, and I think it shows too when you don't have the passion. Like eventually, it's gonna it's gonna show through your work. It's gonna show just when you speak to people and things like that. So you have to be passionate about what you're doing. Don't do something just because you think it's cool. Don't mm-hmm. do something because you see you know somebody on Instagram has a million followers off taking photos of their dog or whatever. You know, so you gotta <laughs> you know you have to really be passionate about it. And, and you kind of touch on something as well. I want to ask you about like how do you you know like I said the Instagram age and people getting popular off of that and, th- and Facebook and everything. How do you redefine success for yourself because for you know this has kind of been a a reoccurring thing with people i've been talking to and you know you can't compare yourself to other people because you have to define success for yourself so that could be anything because everybody's different right so if you're in music like everybody's not going to be timberland pharrell if you're right you know in the photography you're not going to necessarily be an instagram photographer that's got you know two million followers or something like that so how do you how did you define success for yourself and how does that play into everything that you do on a daily basis? Well, I think I am both successful and not successful. And the successful side, I believe that I am because I do it for a living and mm-hmm. I don't have another job. So that in and of itself is success to me. I don't have to work at Starbucks. I don't have to work at Burger King. I mm-hmm. can take pictures and that's it. And that's enough for me. Mm-hmm. Um I am not successful because part of my big picture plan is to take over the world <laughs> and that, that, hasn't, name. Yeah. that hasn't happened yet. So I'm still, I'm still searching for that. Um, but I, I actually, so recently I have started sort of investing in myself and my own personal art with, uh, like a, taking a path towards fine art photography mm-hmm. and it's something that I've always enjoyed doing whether it's storytelling or just creating what I think are pretty images um so this is a whole new path that I'm on even though I've been shooting for forever and getting paid for a long time now this is brand new territory for me so I've had to sort of figure out okay what are my goals in this what is the end game in all of this And I don't necessarily know that I have one because I've been through enough in my life to know that plans don't ever work out the way that you want them to. Mm -hmm. But ideally, what I would love is just to be recognized for my work. Like I said, I don't like being in front of the camera, so I don't need people to know who I am. I just want them to know what my work is. And Mm -hmm. that would be awesome. If I could get paid to be a fine art photographer, that would be really cool. But I'm in love with what I do with my commercial photography, so I'm happy to do both of them or one versus the other. You know, it doesn't matter to me. As long as I can keep shooting till the day I die, I'll be a happy person. Yeah, and I definitely think that is that is success. You know, you're doing what you love, you're getting paid for it, you're making a living, so that definitely makes you successful for sure. Um, so I'm, I'm real big on, you know, growing as a person, growing in business, growing in my art, have, basically just having a growth mindset. So what are some things that you do to get better every day as a photographer, as a businesswoman, and just as a person? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, well, as a person, I... Uh, made a sort of resolution to myself that I would cut out all the dead weight in my life, Mm -hmm. which has been awesome. Anybody who falls in the category of dead weight, whether they are always taking or they're always needing or they're always throwing their shit at you, but they're not doing the same, you know, they're not taking it from you the same way that they give it to you um, or just really stupid people just Mm -hmm. get rid of them and that has been fantastic um because now it's you know everybody's always got some kind of drama but it's like there's no drama anymore i just get to go and be happy and Mm -hmm. let them you know give it to somebody else so that's been really great for me and my general mental health um as a professional i would say sort of over the last year or so, just sort of narrowing down what it is that I do so that I can tell people in a sentence or two sentences, here's what I do as a professional photographer. Because I used to just ramble on and on and on trying to explain it. And it took me five minutes to get to the point. Mm -hmm. Um, So that to me has been really great for business when I'm chatting myself up. Um, that's also really difficult to talk about yourself 
as a professional because as also an artist, it's it's personal. Um, it's not just a job, you know. You don't go sit in a cubicle and you tell somebody, oh, I number crunch all day. You're talking about your art and your insides that are in this this product that you've made. So it's very difficult to try and brag about yourself, I guess I would say. And that's something that I've been working really hard on doing. It's not bragging, but in a way you're selling yourself. Mm -hmm. You're showing them who you are as an artist and as a person and a business person, which you kind of need to initiate those relationships. If you're just some cold, awkward weirdo, nobody's really going to want to work with you. But if you're excited and, you know, whatever they're going to be drawn to you and they're going to want to work with you and feed off of that energy. And that's been really helpful for me because I, I get very weird in, in front of people and it, like what I'm doing right now, it's, <laughs> I just sort of like my tongue gets tied up in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to sort of work through that, that it's, it, it is a business and the art is the art and you're going to create whatever you're going to create. But to be a business person selling said art, you have to learn to deal with people. You have to learn to set boundaries. That's another thing I've had to do is, mm-hmm. you know, Sundays are my day off and I'm still working six days a week, but it used to be that I was working around the clock, 60, 70, 80 hours a week. And I didn't care because I love my job, but mm-hmm. all the others, you know, like, when do you do laundry? I'd go to Target and buy underwear because I didn't have time to do laundry. And that's something that I've had to work on, set boundaries and, you know, if you're asleep in bed, don't answer the email when it goes off on your phone. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think, I don't know if I missed anything in, in what you had asked me. No, no, that I'm, was great. I'm and, rambling again. Yeah, yeah, but you, you actually touched on the last thing I wanted to touch on as well. It's just like the education around the business side, right? Because as a as a creative, like everybody just wants to do the creative stuff, but they don't even a lot of people don't even take the time to educate themselves around the business side. So like you said earlier, like nobody shows you the Excel spreadsheets and and taxes and things like that mm-hmm. and even a lot of times people don't even tell you to put money away for taxes right because you can get, oh yeah <laughs> you know I mean? you're getting all these 1099s you're like oh man i ain't taking taxes out i'm getting all this money whatever and then come you know the next year the next spring and you gotta pay taxes like you if you didn't save that money you be, yeah you know, well and struggling. not only that but if you make less than a certain amount of money from somebody so let's say someone hires you to do headshots mm-hmm. there are no tax forms involved in that they yeah. pay you cash and that's it yeah, like what happens, or something like that yeah what happens mm-hmm. when tax time rolls around and that 200 bucks is gone mm-hmm. well now you got to pay a portion of it to the government and you already spent it on tacos the other night for dinner yep so what do you do and that that was a huge wake up call for me because I had never had to pay my own taxes before. I'd mm-hmm. always just had a job that took taxes out of my paycheck. Yep. You know, I paid them and did all that stuff, but it was so much easier then because I didn't have to say, here's how many miles I drove for this mm-hmm. shoot and this shoot and this shoot. And so I had to start a log for all my miles that I do. And then receipts for like printer paper and ink and my computer and equipment and insurance and liability. What if, mm-hmm. What if you're at a photo shoot and a light falls on somebody's head and all of a sudden they're in the hospital and their brain's bleeding out of their head? Yeah. you got to have liability insurance or else they're going to take your ass to court and you're mm-hmm. going to lose everything. Yep. So there's a lot to take on. It's not just playing around. you got you got to run a business and nobody, nobody tells you how to do that. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, that's kind of like a big reason that I'm even like talking to different people on this podcast about that kind of stuff because – if you don't know, like you will screw yourself. Like even, mm-hmm. you know, all the business stuff aside, it's like you're not guaranteed to have jobs every week or every month. So you got to put money mm-hmm. aside for those slow times and things like that. So, you know, yep. and that's kind of like the thing that I'm really trying to push. It's like that education about the business and about around your creativity so that you can, you know, you can flourish. And it, on them rainy days, you have some cash chucked away to keep surviving and looking for jobs and putting to your marketing and things like that. So, yeah. And uh, if there's one thing I can say related to that is when you asked me earlier about bad clients to tie that into what you just said for anybody who is getting into it, I would highly recommend sit down with yourself and look at why people either aren't happy or why they don't want to pay what they're paying or whatever might go wrong with a photo shoot because Mm -hmm. there are some people who just suck that plain and simple. Everybody always wants to save money or not spend money, but there are times where you as the photographer might be at fault. And it's not because 
you messed up necessarily, but it could just be as simple as you didn't know any better. Mm -hmm. So it's always really good to look at those situations and figure out what went wrong and what, if anything, needs to be fixed or corrected or learned for the next time. Because if you don't learn from those mistakes, you're going to keep making them. Exactly. And that's very important just to keep uh, basically like reiterating what you're doing. So like you go, you create something. If it doesn't, you see where the problems are. You know, you fix that problem, you move forward as you run to something else. You just use everything as lessons, not necessarily failures, but they're really lessons so you can continue to to learn. Yeah. And I think I think the people who are going to make it, at least I hope, because this is what I'm doing. Those are the people who keep getting up. Mm -hmm. You just keep fighting. It's like you're fighting for your life. You keep going because if you give up, it's never going to happen. Exactly. So I think that's a perfect way to end it right there. Keep going because those the people who do make it, they just keep going. And that's just kind of been a recurring thing of theme of from everybody I've been talking to. It's like, I just didn't give up. I kept going, I yep. kept going. And then, you know, things started to pop. So I definitely um, appreciate you coming on to the podcast. Why don't you leave everybody with your website, your social media sites and things like that so they know where to find you? Sure. So my website is katherineclarkphotography.com. And I have a Facebook page, although I apologize in advance that it is not as fancy and updated as everybody else's, but that is... You can either just search for Catherine Clark Photography or the address is facebook.com slash photography dot Clark. And then I also have Instagram and my name on there is Operation World Takeover. All right. Great, Catherine. Thanks for coming on. Like I said, and I'm um, looking forward to keep following and seeing what you're doing. And um, everything we talked about today was amazing. And I think that people really get some value from it. So, again, thank you for coming on and we'll talk. Yeah, soon. thank you, Reggie. All righty. You have a good one. You too. So there you guys have it. Episode three of the Creative Masters podcast featuring photographer Catherine Clark. It was a very dope episode. I know I got a lot out of it. I hope you guys do too. It's very inspiring, especially about that hustle, going to Target, buying underwear because when you have time to do laundry, that's called hustling. All right. Building a business. Great stuff. Anyway, creativemasterspodcast.com. Be sure to check us out. Rate us on iTunes, Stitcher. Google Play, all that. Thank you guys for following and subscribing and leaving reviews. Also, thank you guys for sending the instrumentals. Again, if you guys want to submit instrumentals, hit iTunes, leave a review, rate us, and then you can send us an instrumental and we'll feature an instrumental each week. The one that you heard at the beginning of this episode was also one of those submissions. So thank you guys for doing that. It helps a lot. You can check me out at Nobody Famous on Instagram and Twitter. Be sure to follow Machine Masters on Instagram and Twitter at Machine Masters. And if you're a music producer looking to learn more about the machine, Ableton, just how to make beats, all that kind of good stuff, hit up MachineMasters.com and join the community. Until next week, peace.